Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing, the most trusted podcast dedicated to the new business of location. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing. This is episode number 124, recording this live between Asif and I, bright and early April 6th, that's Saturday morning, 2013. My name, Rob Woodbridge from Untether.tv, located in frigid, back to the cold weather, Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. With me, as always, Asif, it's like we've been together so long now, I miss you, buddy. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Rob. Uh, Asif Khan from the uh, Location-Based Marketing Association. And yeah, we got to spend some actual time in the same uh, city, in the same building uh, for, for a little while this week in, in uh, sunny San Francisco. How great was that? Uh, you, you know, it, it uh, look, three weeks ago we were in Toronto together. This week we were in uh, San Francisco together. It's getting too, it's getting too routine. I mean, we, when we're in the same city, it's like we do exist. We're not the same people, you know, because I can tell people can think that we're the same people, right? Uh, you don't see us yeah. in the same city ever together. Now, Toronto, San Francisco, Berlin next, maybe? Who knows? You never know. Yeah. I had a great time in San Francisco. I think it was a, uh, you know, we, we spent, um, certainly I was there for the uh, Venture Beat Mobile Summit, which, uh, which was good. It was a good event, some great insight, a very intimate event, talking about some of the key things that are challenging mobile right now. There's six key areas that they're talking about, and just go to Venture Beat and you'll find a summary of all of that. I thought it was a very, very, very well put event. High quality speakers, high quality attendees, CEOs, CTOs, and executives from very, very, very large uh, mobile companies. So I thought that was great. But I mean, the highlight for me was that, you know, the Wednesday evening in, uh, in Edelman's offices with uh, with this this panel that you put together. I thought it was wicked. Yeah, it was uh, it was really good. It was, uh, you know, like top notch. Obviously, uh, you know, the speakers uh, know their stuff. I mean, we uh, th three CEOs up there of, uh, of leading companies and, and uh, you know, a head of marketing that's uh, not too shabby either uh, from PlaceCast. Yeah, we had, we had Scott um, and uh, Scott Kavitan from Urban Airship and Rip Gerber from uh, Locate and uh, Blair Sweden from PlaceCast. And I thought, that, you know, Greg McAllister, who we, we have featured here as well, these guys have all been on one of our shows one way or another, but uh, from uh, Pushpoint. And, I, I mean, the, the, the content was great. These guys are the right guys to be talking about what we were talking about, which was, uh, you know, this... This contextualized, location-based world that we're we're embracing, and uh, the reaction was very good, wasn't it? It was, and and there was, uh, you, you know, there there were some interesting people in the crowd as well. There was a guy from uh, U.S. Bank there, uh, kind of looking at uh, how, you know, as a bank, you know, they have to start looking at some of these services and what they should be rolling out and building, kind of taking notes. And uh, there was the guy from uh, Aloha Mobile uh, in the crowd had a had an actual follow-up conversation with him yesterday, Great. and. Uh, you know, the, their whole thing, um, you know, uh, you know, the, his partner is the guy who, uh, who built, uh, you know, the, the blue dot for Google. So, um, you know, there's some interesting people, uh, you know, around with a lot of knowledge in the space. And it's, it's great when you can kind of pull that kind of crowd together and have that kind of interaction. So. Well, I, I was uh, fascinated. I really appreciate you inviting me to be a part of it. I had a, had a blast. And then we found, what was that, what was that little bar around the corner, the 83 proof? I don't yes. think it was an Irish bar. I think it was just like, like... 
Like yep. here in, in, in Ottawa, we've got these uh, long-standing mainstays. They're called taverns, right? Which is, uh, you know, where the old loggers back when Ottawa was formed would go in and just basically drink. And it was always a cheap pint night and uh, and courts and that kind of stuff. Here it's called the Laugh or the Carlton Tavern. In, in uh, Right around the corner from Edelman's office is a place called 83 Proof. And um, it is by far not the least Irish place I've ever been. But uh, we, it was referred to us as an Irish bar, but it was not, was it? <laughs> <laughs> it was not, but it was good. It was it was uh, it was busy and it was uh, you know a nice crowd. It was loud. Yes. Well, we had a great time. We appreciate Edelman for opening up their office space to do this, and uh, and we appreciate all you know Scott, Rip, uh, Blair, and Greg coming in and and doing that for us. Everybody had to flee almost right after because they all had board meetings and planes to catch. But it was uh, it was a great event. So another stellar event put on by the Location Based Marketing Association. What 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 else are you up to? You got some big things coming up in Toronto this week and in Seattle. Yes. Uh, yes. We've got a, actually we've got three events in, in the next uh, two weeks um, uh, happening. So, first first here in Toronto uh, this coming Tuesday, April the ninth, uh, at Google's uh, brand spanking new uh, uh, head office here in Toronto. Uh, so they're hosting it this time, and um, yeah, it's 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 all about retail. So it's uh, you know we've got Google talking about retail. We've got uh, Coca Cola uh, on the panel. We've got uh, Cineplex, uh, largest movie theater chain, uh, uh, up here. Uh, I'm going to be presenting some new some new research on uh, on retail uh, from uh, stuff we've done with uh, us in Venue Labs. So yeah, it, it'll be um, it'll be a good event. We've got a great uh, a great crowd coming out for that one. Lots of people signed up, and uh, should be should be a lot of fun. And then uh, the week after, on the uh, 23rd. Uh, we're launching a new chapter of the LBMA in Seattle. Le really looking forward to that. Obviously, with Venue Labs, with Point Inside, the Glimpse guys will be out for that. Uh, you know, there'll, there'll be uh, you know a, a really interesting crowd. And Razorfish is uh, is hosting that uh, at their uh, fabulous offices there. They've they've got new offices as well in Seattle. So uh, you know, we love it when these agencies uh, step up and uh, you know you know they're a big part of the LBMA. So so we love when they step up. And, uh, offer us their space and because uh, you know agencies just have cool space you know it's yeah i love i love these agency offices you can see if you're watching this right now you can see the view from this we were doing it i think it was called the vertigo uh boardroom inside of edelman and uh, you were look, kind of looking over mission street right there in san francisco and it was crazy and i i had them like heights man so this is this is one of those things that wow like th that's well, it's a good. Th it's a good thing I brought you up to the top of the mark for breakfast. Absolutely, today, that so. was. Uh, you know, Asif and I actually uh, have have uh, laid witness to the fact that that we were together in one spot. I'm going to pull it up here as well. Is that if you don't there? There we are. And, and it, what was this place called, Asif? It's the top of the mark. It's a, it's the uh, it's the roof of the uh, uh, Mark Hopkins uh, Intercontinental Mark Hopkins Hotel. Well, it's. Cr I mean, it was it was very high. There's another one where you can kind of see. We're a little bit. I'm a little bit clouded there, uh, but you can absolutely see uh, how high we are. And it, uh, it was a. I mean, it was a great brunch. It was good to. It was good to get together. I can't. Uh, it was. It was. It was a lot of fun. San Francisco was a great city. There's a lot of. A lot. You know, a lot of froth in the city. But uh, you know, for all that froth, uh, the energy, the enthusiasm, the ecosystem. I'm a mobile guy. The ecosystem in the mobile space is incredible. There, location space is incredible. And not only that, it kind of. You know, I don't know if I'd, I could live there, but it, it attracts people in, right? So it's one of those things that people have to be in San Francisco for a portion of their time. And that's one of the great things is that it's this cross-pollination. And, you know, it is one of the only places, you know, we hear about this across Canada, across the United States. Um, 
but it's, it is one of the only places where word of mouth really means word of mouth. So when you hear about word of mouth marketing is that there are apps, there are ecosystems, there are companies inside of San Francisco that you have never heard of outside of San Francisco, but that are being used by half a million people inside of San Francisco. You know what I mean? And, mm. and uh, those spread just by word of mouth. And there's, there's a ton of them. One of those apps is going to be what we're going to feature here today. Maybe you've played with it a little bit, but uh, I'll go through it, uh, you know, in, uh, in about a minute or so. And I think that this is you know, the power of San Francisco. And this is why things emanate from San Francisco or Boston or New York or Austin. It's just that kind of, uh, that kind of power of word of mouth. Pretty, pretty, pretty cool. Um, so that, that was, that was the trip. So you, but the other things go to, uh, the lbma.com forward slash events to register for the Toronto and the Seattle events. And I hope to be able to be invited out to do another one. Maybe not such a high boardroom next time. Okay. See. All right. We'll see oh, what we man. can do. All right, so we've got a we've got a packed show, and you know it's not only just a packed show. It's a uh, we, we've uh, we're going to try a few things. I'm going to do a demonstration of, of this app that I talked about, which is called Now, uh, which is at getnowapp.com. Got our six key stories that in, involve you know st companies from around the world, uh, big deals for companies like Glimpse with BMW. Ta we're going to be talking about Tata Docomo. We're going to be talking about Fionic. We're, this is we're going to call this one called the whisper episode because we've got two stories around um, something called whispering windows and whisper the secret network uh, the the uh, literally the secret network and we've also got um, our resource of the week which is the mobile moment it's a Chadwick Martin Bailey report about the mobile moment which is something worthwhile you can download that we'll provide a link. And we're going to go back in the archives a little bit for our special guest, which is Dave Lieb. He is the co-founder of Bump and Flock, two apps that I'm sure you played with. We featured both on this podcast before. And Dave and I had a very interesting seven-minute conversation towards the tail end of a long-form episode that I did with him, which is on focusing on a few things. The coming age of inference, the impact of voice, applications like Siri on the age of inference and find and social awareness. And here's an interesting one, the 10% that science fiction movies missed in predicting our future. So we're going to be talking about all that kind of stuff uh, coming up. But before we get into that, I'm going to get into, if I can, the app of, you know, the, the app selection, the things that are fascinating with me. And, and I got to thank uh, Lenny Rachitsky, who was the founder, co-founder of Local Mind, um, and is now uh, working on product at Airbnb. His company was acquired by Airbnb last year. And uh, I had an opportunity to go in and sit down and chat with, with Lenny uh, at the Airbnb office, and it was very cool. And he put me on to these guys. It's a company called Now, and it's uh, created by a guy by the name of Ben Broca. And you can go to getnowapp.com if you're interested in this. And we talked about this company called Visible last week, which was the equivalent to what I'm about to show you, but for uh, Twitter photos. And this is uh, tying into your social gram, um, basically your social graph with, with Instagram and with Facebook. Right, so I'm going to pull it up here. It is called Now, and I'm launching it as we go here. So what this is is a location-aware... Uh, you think about this as, as discovering through photos your city's greatest experience or best experience. And uh, I, I like this because it's uh, it's focused on, uh, you know, existing photos that are posted with a geotag or a location association or location associated with it. So uh, I'm actually pulling this up. This is about Ottawa here. You'll see it. There are actually people using Instagram and photo sharing services in Ottawa, which is amazing. And uh, so think about this as a living city guide. And I'll show you just a few things that happened over the night last night. Uh, you know, last night in Ottawa, 
which was the Friday night, the Inter uh, IIHF World uh, Women's uh, Hockey f um, comp uh, Tournament happened here. And these are some of the photos that happened with, between Team Canada and Finland. This is at Scotiabank Place, home of your Ottawa Senators. Uh, so it, it is a, uh, anybody who was tagged or any photo that was tagged at that location will come up just like um, we saw it last year, last week with Visible. Um, but this is a little bit deeper uh, integration with, uh, with Instagram. So the, one, of the, one of the things that I really like about this, Asif, is that I can actually pull up my current location or I can follow some other locations. Like here on the screen, you've got St. Patrick's Day, you've got South by Southwest, Paris Fashion Week. Very cool. The Pope's last audition or last audience and the Academy Awards. I'm going to pull up South by Southwest and you'll see an example of how this just uh, flows very effectively. Um, so all the hotspots uh, in, in South, at South by Southwest, anybody taking a photo with Instagram with a location tag would have come up on this. And um, it's, you know, just to give you the context, if you're, if you're watching this right now, you'll see how many uh, bubbles there are, how many location pops there are. But it is a pretty amazing place. And as I scroll, it shows that location on the map. Now with South by Southwest, it was everywhere. Everybody was taking every Instagram photo that I mean, I'm sure that the density was so high. Uh, but there's the uh, Eric Clapton concert. Uh, for you who are watching and you can just kind of relive those experiences so really interesting app i know that uh, see if you kind of likened it to a photo version of banjo right yeah yeah absolutely i you know i think you know banjo is all about uh, you know listening in so to speak on the conversations happening around events anywhere in the world uh and gathering sort of all that data and information in one place um, so, so it's it's absolutely for me uh like that obviously you know this is specific to instagram and and, and photos um, you know, I, I think obviously if you're an Instagram user, this is this is a good add-on, so to speak, um, to kind of uh, you know kind of layer on top of, of that. But you know, I, I wonder whether um, you know, I mean, there's a significant user base of Instagram users out there, so so you know, I think you're you're kind of tapping into to, to a good a good user group uh, with something like this. But it, but you know, the beauty of, of something like Banjo in contrast is is that, you know, it, it's potentially all platforms, um, you know, and, and any event or any location. So, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, uh, th there's probably more overall utility in, in something like Banjo than in, in something like this. And, and the interesting thing is, is, you know, um, especially when you're in places where there's a high density, so, so not just events, but people around you, I, I, uh, I, when we were in San Francisco this week, I was, uh, I was using Banjo, um, and I, uh, it was sending me uh, push notifications uh, of people who are in my network, like people I'm connected to, that happen to be nearby. And I got this notification, I told you, uh, while we were out there, I got this notification that uh, uh, a gal by the name of Kristen uh, uh, Fairman uh, was, uh, happened to be near me, like literally like a block away. Uh, and this is somebody, she's the uh, head of marketing at Osmot, uh, a company from uh, uh, Michigan that is in the kind of loyalty uh, uh, space. Um, and we've talked about those guys in the past. In fact, we've had Joe, their CEO, on as a guest uh, before. But, you know, and, and, you know, because they're part of the LBMA, we've done a lot of work, Kristen and I, uh, back and forth on calls and emails and whatever, but we've never actually met in person. And so I saw this notification. I sent a quick note saying, "Hey, I see you're just around the corner. You want to meet up for for coffee?" And and or and and it happened. Like we we pulled it together. Like because Banjo was able to kind of surface that uh, that information. So, you know, I love these kinds of things. Uh, so it, it's it's about events. It's about you know curating content and putting it all in one place around uh, an event, uh, whether it be a photo or conversation or 
or what have you, uh, or tweets or, you know, whatever. Um, but it's also about, you know, being able to, you know, that real-time connectivity piece is really interesting too. I 100% uh, agree. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm intrigued to figure out um, how people are going to make money using or building these applications and leveraging this, this social layer. Like, it, I mean, what would you have paid? Would you have paid a buck or two to make that connection so that you can actually connect with somebody in real life? I don't know. And um, But, you know, when it comes to the Now app, it, it is a... You know, it's what Local Mind, I think, and Lenny's company were trying to do. It's, a, it's what Banjo is trying to do, but they're all coming at it in different angles and uh, different approaches. And, and nobody knows where this is going to go. But I'm fascinated because, you know, with, with, when we looked at Visible last, last week, it was the same kind of thing. It's like th there's a lot going on in your city that you don't know. And the density of photos that happen as a you know, at an event will indicate whether or not people are having fun or not. I always think that, you know, if, if everybody's taking photos, is anybody actually really having any fun there? You know, because they're all taking photos of other people having fun. Anyway, if you're interested in it, uh, getnowapp.com. It's only available, uh, from what I can tell right now, on uh, in, on iOS. So you can get it at the App Store. I'm going to try to get Ben um, to come onto the show, a long-form episode with on, on Tether.tv to go through the process. And, and uh, I'll talk to him about his revenue model. But I, I, I kind of like this. I like sitting back and having that lean-back experience, browsing my own city or an event, a specific event. And that's why I kind of like Get. All right, I kind of like now. So go to uh, getnowapp.com. All right, let's dive into the stories. We got lots to talk about. We got seven stories. We got six stories and uh, our guest and our resource of the week. So let's kick this thing off for real. Yeah. All right. Well, the first story is uh, for me a really interesting one because uh, we love data, we love metrics, uh, both of us. Um, and uh, this week we saw an announcement uh, of a partnership between Starcom MediaVest, one of the largest media buying groups in the world, partnering up with Place IQ, Duncan McCall's company uh, out of New York. Um, and the the partnership here is is about creating a new metric for advertisers for media buyers to basically be able to track the effectiveness of some of these mobile ads that are being served uh, in a location specific framework. So we've talked before on this show about, um, you know, is a CPM, you know, or CPC, you know, really the right metric for when we're talking about location-based ads? And I think you and I collectively said, no, we need new metrics. Uh, you know, there, there's got to be, uh, you know, other ways to measure the effectiveness of some of these things. And here we co here we go, and we see, you know, Starcom partnering with Place IQ to to do just that. So. What they've launched is something called a place visit rate, a PVR. Um, uh, I like the name, place visit rate. Um, and uh, it's basically, its intention is to measure the percentage of customers that are served a mobile banner ad for a retail, uh, and then how many retail visits that generates to a store. Um, and, and so the way they've done this is Place IQ. Uh, you know, has some interesting kind of uh, geofencing uh, technology and, and sort of data mapping. And what they've, what they've come up with here is, is a way to, uh, when, when an in-app ad request is served uh, through a network, uh, that network, the ad network itself, assigns uh, that, that device uh, a unique uh, hash ID string. Uh, so it's like a, a string of numbers and letters. Uh, and they anonymize that to the, to the device, okay? And so what Place IQ is doing is they're tracking these individual hash IDs and layering them on top of a map um, or geofenced area, if you will, uh, that they've created around specific, you know, environments and stores. And, and so they're tracking, you know, the ad gets displayed, 
the relationship between that ad and this unique hash ID, and then what happens, where does that device go within this geofence boundary? And together that thing creates a PVR or place visit rate. And if, if this actually works, you know, uh, there's one great quote in this article uh, that was on AdAge that uh, said that, uh, you know, this may not be appropriate for all of the agency's clients, like every client that's out there. Because, and, I, you know, it struck me as odd because wouldn't you want to see the conversion rates? Um, but there are certain businesses where it is about awareness making. It isn't about closing the deal or bringing them in. I, those businesses I don't understand. But, uh, but I, I, the idea that you can take a banner ad and prove its worth Right. This is going to if this is effective for Place IQ, and it has been, uh, you know, based on one test that they did with a retailer, uh, that conversion rate. Uh, um, if this actually does work, uh, could it not change the face of mobile advertising for the for the good? Like um, instead of yeah, oh, completely, yeah. completely. I, I mean, it's for me. This is the absolute, you know, a step in the right direction yeah. here. Um, and uh, obviously, there's much more work to be done to fine-tune these kinds of things. There's challenges with this kind of stuff, uh, you know, off the bat in the sense that, you know, every mobile ad network has its own hash ID structure. So, you know, from Place IQ's perspective, they've got to kind of, you know, work with all the ad networks. They've got to, you know, ultimately, you know, for this thing to be ubiquitous, it's got to be, you know, one common device ID hash It's got to be set free, man. Got to be free. Yeah, but but that you know that's the kind of thing that takes a long yeah. time. Um, but uh, you know you got to start somewhere, and and you know I, I really applaud this effort. Um, you know, and and the fact that Starcom is 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 backing this. I mean, you know, they're you know between them and MediaCom, the two biggest media buying agencies in the world. Um, they probably buy like eighty percent of the media between the two of them uh, for every major brand and uh, agency out there. So. You know, the you know they're stepping up. They're putting their clients in front of this and saying, Let, "Let's test this. Let's pilot this kind of stuff." Um, you know, we're obviously. I mean, I love this. I'm going to reach out to these guys. You know, we do a lot of work with Starcom um, and and Place IQ, and I'm going to reach out to these guys and see if you know, a let's get them on the show and and talk about it, and and b let's uh, you know we'll we'll open up our network um, you know of, of retailers and brands to this too, and, and see if we can facilitate some more pilots. It could be be interesting. Anytime you can measure this kind of thing. The impact. Uh, I'm all for this, and uh, we, we we all have talked often. In fact, at the, on the on the panel this week, we talked, uh, you know, about the death of the banner ad, and and uh, and I think that this, if this can work, this transform it. It's got to accelerate uh, because there's got to be tremendous value. And I think that there's a small percentage, and by small I mean huge percentage of advertising firms and agencies that don't want this to work because then it actually puts the onus on effective use of these things as opposed to just blanketing. Yeah. So I think that it's like the oil companies don't really want. Uh, you know, uh, com cars to be created that don't use their energy source. It's the same thing with this. I think that there is there are powers at at, uh, at that control this, and and it's an uphill battle. But definitely, definitely uh, applaud Place IQ for uh, for doing this. So, Place I N S M G. So, um, so PlaceIQ.com. Uh, that's our first story. Very very cool. Let's go. I love these little innovation companies. There you go. All right. Um, our next story. Uh we move over to uh, to India now, uh, and uh, powerhouse over there, Tata Docomo, uh, and, and these guys, uh, you know, have uh, obviously been at the forefront of uh, mobile and location and cellular uh, services for a long time. And what they announced this week is is really interesting. So, so they announced uh, something called Facebook check-in using USSD. So the idea here is is that 
they're, they're powering check-ins to happen without any internet or GPS connectivity whatsoever. Um, and, and this this is interesting. I mean, the, the, I, I've not heard anybody doing this yet. So this, for me, this is a first. Um, the way it works is you, if you're a Facebook user, um, you basically dial a number, 325, uh, or it's star 325-star-15-pound. And it automatically shares your location. Pretty, pretty easy uh, to remember there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's a reason for that number. Um, I, I don't know what it is. And there's a revenue model. Like when you do this, they charge you. Uh, it's, it, I think it's like one real or something like that or, um, uh, per location um, check-in. So, so, so it, it's, uh, it's really interesting what they're doing here. Um, and, and you know, doing this over USSD. Uh, if you're not familiar with that, um, uns uh, what, what is that? Unstructured supplementary service data yeah. or something. I think yeah. is the what that stands for. Um, so that that that's just a standard protocol. It's used by uh, you know every GSM carrier out there. So uh, this is like um, it's uh, it, it's somewhat ridiculous. Uh, I mean, it's it, I've never heard of this, and I think there's a reason for that. Is that you know if you don't have GPS <laughs> in your phone and you don't have internet in your phone, uh, but you really need to check into a location uh, on on Facebook. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I it's 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 a hard thing. For me. I don't understand what I spent. I don't. First of all, I don't understand that. You know, I think it's li it's a limited use oh, case. Oh yeah, but they rolled out they rolled out Facebook messaging, uh, so you can actually do that as well without any internet connection. You can just, uh, but and they charge for the yeah. service. But it, like you know, I, I don't know that, and this is something that I don't know. But I don't know that 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 the importance of checking in is that important you know what i mean or the fact that i that to be able to get into facebook messaging and post a message to a charge right so i'm talking about a developing nation an emerging economy where my phone is not a smartphone it's not internet enabled it doesn't have gps so w what that kind of signifies to me is that um there's a price barrier that doesn't really reflect the the user right so if, if i have uh if i can't afford a phone with a gps or internet connection or, or the service layer on top of that or or i can't afford to to use that service layer yeah. or buy a phone um why why would i think that this is important right so there's a huge disconnect for me between the service and the intended user right and so yeah it doesn't I, make any I'm sense at all that. i mean uh, I, I i don't really see a huge uh you know, huge use case for this. I mean, obviously they do. Um, otherwise, they wouldn't be launching this kind of stuff. But um, yeah, yeah, I'm with you. It, it's uh, and and charging people to do this. I mean, it, it's I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'd rather see some sort of passive location sharing thing uh, happening instead of this kind of you know very regimented uh, you know per use per share yeah. uh, type it of system. It doesn't. Okay. It doesn't spread. Right. And and that's. And, you know, the odd thing is that we can't even ask. I, I can ask anybody out there who's listening to this to say, well, have you ever used this service? And I said, well, probably not because uh, we're broadcasting this on the Internet. So if you uh, if you don't have Internet access in where you are, you, you, you're not getting this podcast. And ultimately, um, I don't even know if that service works. But, you know, Docomo, NTT Docomo or Tata Docomo, I mean, has, has um, they're rolling this out for a reason. But I, I just beyond me beyond me why anybody would use that um, if, if you don't have internet or GPS on the phone to begin with and charge for it. So uh, I, I'm kind of yeah. on that story. You know? 
All right. Yeah. But but the next story you're 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 all about. I am. You know, we talk about telematics. We talk about the things that uh, bring uh, uh, mobile and uh, smartphones into the car and leverage the car as the operating system or as the vehicle for. Um, quite literally for you know app distribution and I think that they, we're going to have uh, dashboards in our lives our dashboard in our house our dashboard in our office our dashboard in our kitchen our dashboard in our car right so we got entertainment life work and transportation and and this is why I like this you know there's a service called glimpse uh, for those of you who don't know uh, glimpse you can go to glimpse g l y m p s e and uh, this is a service that uh, takes your existing location and does some pretty cool things with it. Like you can send people a notification when you're going to be there. You can uh, tell a group of friends, uh, set up a, a meeting place for a group of friends to be able to be at the same location and then watch them all descend on that location. And, and they've now signed a, an agreement with BMW to be a part of uh, the car, to be in the car. So a one-touch um, option inside of uh, BMW cars that is emanating from the phone into the device that allow you to do those certain things like to tell people when you're going to be home or when you're going to be at the office or when you're going to be at dinner or anything along those lines and I kind of I kind of like this uh, this service the integration with the phone the car and uh, and ease of use and you don't have to pull your phone out to do this it's one touch what do you think of this thing no, I, I love it, and uh, and this is the second such deal. They they did did, a, did another deal just like this with Ford. Um, you know, I think it was a month or two ago. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I I think you know, I've always been a fan of Glimpse. So I love it. It's um, kind of uh, its ability for the user to define the parameters around who they're sharing their location with. You know, just just tell my family, just tell my six, these six friends. You know, uh, defining it by time frames. You know, so only share my location for the next you know three hours, uh, automatically. So it's, so it's passive in that sense, uh, with with a defined group and a defined time period. Um, so so for me, there's always been a lot of power in that kind of control uh, around location sharing. Um, and you know, I love that, and the fact that this is now tied into my Ford car, my BMW car, and it's one touch and you know, I, I can send updates. You know, when I'm when I'm driving home from the office, that you know, uh, I'm coming. I'm coming. I'll, yeah, I'll be there. I'm stuck in traffic, but I'll be there. Um, and and it's all you know, and it's it's uh, it's voice enabled as well, uh, which is cool. Um, you know, all you have to do is is, is just say send a glimpse yeah. uh, through the voice uh, you know systems in these cars, and and away it goes. Uh, so so for me, that that's really cool. It's got Facebook, Twitter integration, you know, all that. So you know what. Really, really. Yeah, I, uh, I, I like this as well, and I think that uh, this is just the beginning of these services that emanate from the phone. It start in the phone that uh, use the car as a broadcast, uh, you know, piece. And we've we've started to highlight some of these companies that do this, and and it's only a matter of time before you know that integration. We. You know, we see this with with Bluetooth integration with voice, and we've seen this with music integration. And it started basically with an aux in for um, auxiliary in for your music, but now we're starting to see that real integration, the innovation that happens. And BMW and Ford, two companies that were at the forefront of this, right? Uh, certainly, with BMW investing in a whole bunch of mobile startups that uh, complement the ride, and Ford with their Ford Sync product that really kind of made OnStar seem old school, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, no, without question. And the nice thing too is the recipients uh, of the glimpse. Like when you send out that location alert, whether you're sending, you can send it to email, you can send it to a cell phone, you can send it yeah. anywhere. They don't have to have the glimpse, the glimpse yeah. app on their end. Um, so, 
so so it's ubiquitous in that sense. Like anybody can can receive you know the the update that you want them to get. And there's a couple of companies that play in this, like Twist. We've talked about Twist, and we're going to get uh, Edward Marks, Eddie Marks, who uh, who's an, a longtime uh, untether um, guy who uh, who came on maybe three years ago with his company, Inedible Software. Software they made the the pump shotgun. Yeah. Um, but Twist does that, and I use uh, Tempo, uh, which is the uh, calendaring yes. app, and and they, they they you know you're starting to see little integrations of those services, and and uh, and I, I, there's there's no reason why that that those guys like Twist and Tempo can't integrate right into a car as well. I mean, they have to create the relationships. No. I mean, you're going to see more and more of this kind of stuff, and and it it, it just makes sense. And anyhow, uh, so Glimpse, uh, you know, um, looking forward cool. to uh, learning more about that. In fact, uh, as I mentioned, we've got the Seattle event happening on the 23rd. Glimpse is based there. Uh, going to try and get out there and, and connect with these guys face to face, and uh, yeah, hopefully we can get them on the show uh, soon. That'd be great. Well, if you want to check them out, go to glimpse g l y m p s e dot com. And if you have a BMW or you started to use the service when it rolls out, please love to hear from you. Reach out, Rob at untethered TV or Seif at the LBM. I'm not trading in my car for, for no, that, though. no, no. It would take a while. I, I'm waiting for you know. I'm a Mazda driver. I, I was an old Jeep driver, but I'm a Mazda driver and. Um, like I have a, a twin, so I have a CX-9, right? And those guys are doing nothing in this space, and I'm pissed, right? Yeah. Like, technology is going to be a decision, one of the decision-making factors when you buy a car going forward. And, uh, you know... Well, I mean, if, if Ford's been, been a, you know, at this for a long time with yes. Microsoft, right? Yeah. And, you know, we're starting to see more and more of those kinds of, of partnerships. I mean, I, like, I drive a, uh, a Mercedes, and, and it's, uh, you know... I mean, yes, I've got voice and I've got you know a bunch of interesting stuff in there, but it it, it doesn't have anything like this, yeah. right? Um, you know, it, it's it's got great nav, but it, it you know, it's when you get to this next level of you can actually you know do really cool actionable things connected to you know the apps and the things that are on your yeah. phone. That becomes really interesting. So. Well, that's it. So go to glimpse.com, and we're going to be watching this. Obviously, we're fascinated by the uh, the telematics in the car industry as as they integrate the, these mobile devices in. Um, you know, the car as the operating system. Very cool. We're going to take a break from our stories for a moment here because I got a very special guest. It's uh, as I said, this is a, a an older interview. About a month ago, I sat down with Dave Lieb from Bump and Flock fame. Um, to talk about his new app flock and there was a actually we had a little clip in a previous episode but here you know there's this seven minute segment at the very end which we talked about the future the impact um, you know the things that he's looking at and and centered around what he believes you know this age of inference that is happening right now and I, and I think this is a very important piece that he talks about is that you know the, what is inference how do you know how, how does Siri or how does voice play into this is it conduit does it replace search and then also you know we talk about this this kind of 10 percent you know uh, gene rodberry in star trek uh, very influential you know everything that we i think that everything that we use now in technology is as uh comes emanates from the first star trek um and maybe even the next generation but um you know he said that it only takes us 90 percent there the, you know the technology was that was envisioned in those uh, television shows and movies takes us 90 percent there and it's that 10 percent that is missing that science fiction just never prepared us for. And, you know, we, we wonder why. And, and you're going to have to sit and listen to Dave as we talk about this right now. So here's Dave Lieb, the co-founder of Bump and Flock. Life, 10 years ago, or maybe 15 years ago, when I first started driving, I used to carry around this book that was this thick that just covered my city. And if I wanted to go somewhere that I'd never been before, I had to look it up in the book and find the which grid it was in and then go to the page and find out how to get there. And now we don't even think about it. it 
remember that, that world. Now we get in our car before we even know where we're going, and we start driving, and our phone tells us where to go. Um, and what's really exciting is thinking about what's next for that. Um, what is and, next, and so, so I think, I think this idea of inference is, is going to be very big. I think it's going to be you know, maybe one of the biggest shifts in computing that we've seen. Uh, because if you look at computing so far, we started with punch cards, or maybe before that there were some things that I haven't heard about. But uh, we started with punch cards. We would stick our punch cards into the computer. They'd do something that we wanted it to do. Uh, then we evolved and got keyboards and a real-time display so I could push a button and see something change on the screen. Then we got the mouse. That was a huge revolution at the time. But really, it just let me move my hand and something would move on the screen and made it a little more accessible to me. Um, then Apple comes along and, and does the, the touch screen so I can actually touch the content that I want. That was a big uh, you know, paradigm shift for human-computer interaction. But the computer was still doing the same sorts of things. It was reacting to my commands. Um, and so, yeah, Moore's Law has taken off and computing has expanded and there's 100 times more people on the Internet now than there were 20 years ago. Um, but there hasn't been a, a fundamental shift in the way that we interact with computers. And that is just starting with, with mobile phones. Um, and I think that's going to be a really fundamental shift. Um, I think that you know, not very far from now, I'll be here doing an interview with you, and my phone will tell me, Dave, you've got to be down in Mountain View at 1 p.m., uh, which is fine, but there's, a, there's an accident on the 101, so you really can't take that route. And by the way, if you want to save some time in your day, you should pick up your dry cleaning on the way instead of on the way home because it might close before you get done. And those sorts of things would add a lot of value to my life, um, but they don't, they're not happening yet, uh, but they certainly can. Like You could build all of those things right now. Um, and we're just starting to see that with Google Now. We're just starting to see it with some of these other apps. I mean, Square, I think, is doing great stuff where I can walk into a place without taking my phone out of my pocket. I can pay. Um, these sorts of things are getting to be interesting. I think that will be a major theme in the next 10 years. You think like companies like Apple with, uh, with Siri, do you think that that plays into this kind of thing? Uh, is voice going to be as, as important? Because I, mean, I think that voice obfuscates everything, right? When I can talk to something, whether it's my car, through my phone, my phone, my television, uh, you know, I, I start to think that maybe search isn't as relevant because that's an, that's an intent, right? To me, voice is a way to lower friction um, in, in interacting with a computer. It, it doesn't, I don't think it's a paradigm shift in terms of the type of interaction you may have. I use Siri all the time. I love it. Um, I text messages with it. I set up my calendar with it. Uh, but it's not doing anything fundamentally different. What it allows is a more human communication with, with the computer uh, in a way that maybe is, is easier or simpler for me to do. Uh, but I don't think it represents a fundamental shift in how we use computers. Um, that shift is being powered more by the fact that this thing is with me 24 hours a day. It's for more than three feet from my body. And that's, that's crazy. Um, and what that allows you to do is know where I am at all times. It's connected to all these other data sources, so it knows a lot about my life, a lot about the things that I care about. Um, and so that is the fundamental shift, I think, the fact that these computers are now getting to be very close to a part of us, um, as opposed to the way that we touch the screen or talk to the those Those are enablers to me, not not the core idea. It'd be interesting to see a time when when it, there's no input, right? That it's just it's just it's just there, right? No touch screen, no nothing, right? And that's that's what we're talking about, the age of inference. You look at sci-fi, and usually sci-fi is a predictor of things that may come. So you know, I grew up and I watched Star Trek: The Next Generation. That was my sci-fi. I'm so old. I watched and, the original. How's that? 
Well, and a lot of the things that we have today, they were there 25 years ago or 20 years ago with that, uh, with Star Trek. You know, we had tablet computers. They had those. They had mobile devices, the tricorder they carried around. Um, they had voice recognition. They talked to the computer. Um, but they didn't really have inference. The, the computer wasn't kind of interrupting them and saying, hey, guys, you, you really should uh, come back from that planet and come back to the spaceship because this thing's happening. Uh, that wasn't there. And, and it's interesting that... Uh, the sci-fi brains didn't really think about that at the time. Uh, so, so, you know, it's interesting that sci-fi didn't really predict that in a large way, whereas they did predict a lot of the ways that we would interact with computers, the, the, the channels we would use to talk to computers, but not the fundamental purpose of computers. You know, I, and I think that's so interesting because, um, you know, we, we've emulated Star Trek, right? And, and all of the early sci-fi. I, I mean, people complained about the iPad when they got it. Like, you know, it's too slow, the screen isn't, like, I held it on, like, the first time I held it in my hand, I'm like, I never in my lifetime thought I would see this, because this is from Star Trek, right? But I wonder if we were so influenced by the devices, and we recreated the devices, but one thing that they couldn't create or understand is the impact of those devices and the computing power would have on us. And, and we had to have the devices before we came to the, the realization that we're about to enter this age of inference. Yeah, you know, I think the core idea is, can you make people's lives better by building something new? And um, certainly the iPad and tablet computers do that because it, it's a computing device that's more accessible. I can you know, use it on the couch and it's easier, it's more fun, more pleasant. Um, th that was the reason we built it. It was, hey, you know, certainly we want to interact with each other in the real world. Let's, let's build something that would make people's lives better. And I think that's the important trend is, is everything that gets built if it's just cool and just a gadget and just interesting, it'll have its heyday and then it'll go away. And the core ideas of does this fundamentally make my life better, even in a very small way, but does it fundamentally make my life better? Those are the products that can, that can really endure and, and power the trends. Dave Lee, told you. Told you it would be worth listening to. Um, absolutely. And if you're interested in that kind of conversation, you know, there's a great episode on Untether.tv. It's called, uh, it's episode 441, if you can believe it. It's called Cognitive Overhead, The Age of Inference, and a photo app named Flocked with uh, Bump co-founder Dave Lieb. And, you know, the thing to remember about this is that his his view is valley oriented or or uh, silicon valley oriented um but it it emanates from a very strong point these guys are invested in by uh, andreessen horowitz and if you ever heard uh, mark andreessen talk about this very topic this this age of inference that we're moving into he believes it wholeheartedly the investments that he's made is are, are right in this area we believe in it very much because that that inference with location and context is part of this triangle that is uh, reshaping uh, every single industry on the planet. So I, I really, uh, I think Dave is one of these, uh, uh, you know, upper echelon of intelligence when it comes to thinking around this space. So I, I would implore you, go and find that episode, download it, because uh, Dave's insights are valuable. And incidentally, my goal has always been to get uh, uh, Mark Andreessen, uh, you know, the founder of Netscape and uh, Andreessen Horowitz, yep. onto the show. He's, re he's the only guy that's rejected me on untether.tv. Um, but I, and now I've interviewed many of his companies, as many mobile companies in that circle as possible that he's invested in. And this is as close as I came because Dave Lieb was actually in the Andreessen Horowitz offices. And at the end of the episode, I was like, Dave, just go and find Mark. Would you let him, get him on the show? Just say hi. Then I can quit. Right? Yeah.
Yeah. So that was uh, Dave. Uh, if, the episode is up there on Untether.tv. Go and watch that if you are inclined to uh, to be a little bit smarter at the end of an hour. Right? All right. Sounds good to me. Back back to the news. Uh, see. Back to the news. Uh, all right. So so he, here we go. We got two stories where we're talking about whispering. Um, the first is uh, really, really interesting, really cool technology uh, from a company called Fionic. Um, and uh, they have a technology called Whispering Windows. And effectively what, what they do uh, is they take any surface, primarily glass windows on storefronts. So this is about, you know, out-of-home marketing uh, and stuff like that. So, you know, you, you walk up to, to a store, uh, they've been doing a lot of uh, work in the UK with Topshop and um, various other uh, uh, Selfridges and, and so on, a number of stores. Um, and basically, they can turn any any surface, like a window, into a speaker. Uh, and, and basically, as the name says, whispering windows. The speaker is, is doing the talking. The speaker is the audio amplifier, uh, projecting the sound, uh, you know, outwards, um, you know, to the crowd outside. And so they, they, they showcase this technology in a couple of cases. Uh, one, one of the projects, uh, as I said, was with, uh, uh, with Vogue uh, for fashion, uh, fashion night out and uh, at, at using a, um, a top shop store on Oxford Street in the UK. And they had a uh, very popular artist called Delilah uh, inside the store uh, doing a, a sort of an invite-only performance you know, with, with a crowd inside the store. Uh, but you know, to her back, uh, you know, she it was the storefront window with a bunch of people on the street, uh, basically trying to clamor around to see what was going on inside the store, and they could hear the performance live because the speakers were the windows themselves pushing the audio out. Um, now, like, like this is really cool. I mean, like this is this is like any surface, and it doesn't even have to be glass. It could be like plexiglass. It could be wood floors. It could be a whole bunch of things that they they've got this technology that they built that can basically you know turn any surface like that into into a loudspeaker. Pretty cool. Insider. Very outside. cool. And and they're even talking about uh, you know doing this to your desk, right? So that you plug it into your iPhone yeah. or whatever and just make your desk the speaker. And I, that that's that's pretty cool. <laughs> it is pretty cool, right? I like it. And what they were talking about is that uh, I, I, they did um, uh, they did these tests, right, uh, for uh, stores, like li literally retail stores, to attract attention uh, to a display. And then they, they did some tests around that to see what the conversion rate was that. And it was an incredible rate that, that people were, were stopping, looking at the display, and then going in and purchasing the products that were in the display. So th these are tests, but, you know... Um, when when you start to think about the implications of this uh, from a retail perspective, I think that this is this is amazing. It, it, it's huge, right? I mean, if you think about it, I mean, take any sort of inanimate ad, like you know, a, a billboard ad, uh, you know, just a print billboard ad, or you know, something on the side of a transit shelter, or or anything like that. That that's just like a still ad, you know, non digital. Um, or even digital for that matter, uh, but the ability to add audio to it um, and, and just have a speaker anywhere. Yep. So, yep. Um, you, you know, it is really interesting because we know when you know, we know sound attracts people to things, right? You know, it's one thing to see that the ads just sitting there on the side of the building. It's another thing to see the ads generating sound from it. And, you know, I want to go, uh, you know, it's calling me. I want to go here, 
you know, I want to go see what that's all about. Um, you know, the engagement, as you said, is is you know, it just goes way up when when you start to layer that kind of stuff on. Yeah, top of and and they've uh, they've created this so that it doesn't get like broadcast out into the street, so that it distracts cars. Yeah, it's directional. Yeah. So it's it's with, when yeah. you walk right in front of it, basically, and and uh, so very effective, very very effective. If you're interested, you just go to whisperingwindow.com and you'll see exactly what uh, what we're talking about. Some great demonstrations. I was playing a video as you were as you were speaking about that with the um, with Delilah performing. So uh, uh, just go to whisperingwindow.com. So from one whisper to another, to to the yeah. next, uh, the secret network whisper. Um, so uh, this story hit my radar uh, this week because um, they raised a little bit of funding, and that's uh, you know I track a lot of that kind of stuff. So they raised three million bucks. This company called Whisper uh, from Lightspeed uh, Venture Partners, uh, Trinity Venture, and uh, the uh, founder and CEO of Flickster, Joe uh, Greenstein, as well as the founder of Shoe Dazzle, Brian Lee. Um, and and this is a really interesting uh, offering in the marketplace. So. If you've ever used a secret confession site like dailyconfession.com, PostSecret, Fresh Confession, any of those kinds of things, um, now just think about the mobile version of that and location-specific version of that in particular. That is what this Whisper app is, is all about. Uh, so the idea being anonymous uh, posts um, that are you know, queryable by location or you can find posts uh, that are made by people who are nearby you. Um, and you know this is you know just people posting private messages, uh, anonymous messages. You don't know who it is, um, and, and there's an actual business model around this as well. And and the numbers in terms of the usage are are huge. I mean, why don't you uh, touch on that, Rob? <laughs> yeah. The uh, the numbers we're talking about here. Uh, the last month that they were that they there was a billion page views. They're doing eight hundred thousand messages. That's in in the in app messaging. 800,000 messages a day. And what did they say? Yeah. They said that they, they wanted to keep the, the um, you know, they wanted to do a soft launch. They haven't really launched this out. They wanted to keep this under the wraps a yeah. little bit. They want to keep this secret. And They've got about a million users. Yeah, but that's incredible. 800,000 messages yeah. a day, a billion page views a month. And uh, and they actually have a revenue model, right? So this is, uh, I mean, it's pretty amazing to think that these guys have uh, have uh, scaled that quickly in such a short period of time. And they ha they didn't really want to do this, which I think is is astounding, Asif. Astounding. I mean, yeah. is this, you know, we've seen we've seen these kind of apps before, right? Where, where you've got... Um, you know, a meteoric rise like this, and uh, kind of it, it caught on like wildfire, like Snapchat. Um, and and uh, mm. you know, we, we heard so for so long about Snapchat, but uh, it seems to have. I don't think the use has dissipated, although you can't maintain that kind of meteoric, meteoric rise. But uh, we don't hear about Snapchat anymore. Is that because it's part of uh, common use, or is it because it disappears? And what do you think that something like this will do? Like, do you think it'll it'll maintain the momentum that it's maintained? Well, I, I, I think I think it's a bit of common use. I mean, it's like WhatsApp yeah, or, or yeah. stuff like that too. Right? I mean, I mean, there's millions and millions and millions of people who are using that every day. Uh, and and often uh, many times a day. Uh, I mean, same with this. I mean, the the, the app engagement around this stuff is thirty is minutes a day. Thirty minutes a day, and average is six times a day. Uh, you know the you know the the users are using this stuff. Uh, you know, but but it, it becomes that you know it's just part of my daily routine in my life. Um, so it doesn't get talked about after a while, unless you know you start to roll out you know new feature sets and other kinds of things, right? So, you know, but but sometimes. You don't need that, right? I mean, the beauty of a thing like WhatsApp is, it, it, 
it's just you know text messaging without paying for text messaging right That's it. like so you know you get a lot of use around that kind of stuff and the, and the same thing can, can apply to something like this except there is a revenue model here um, you know so so yeah I like it and I, I'm going to give you a little glimpse here uh, when I pull up this. Uh, this is just the the first one. It's uh, one of the latest ones. It says, my, my best friend and I were talking, and on the count of three, we both told our deepest secret. At the same time, we both said, I love you. And there are 2,000 likes, 43 reposts, 43 replies. It's a... Um, I, you know, the engagement rate is, uh, is pretty incredible with something like this. So if you're interested, just go to whisper.sh. Or you can download the iPhone app for free. I was showing you a couple of uh, screen grabs of that as well at the same time. So whisper.sh, a billion page views, $3 million in new funding, 800,000 messages a day, a million members, average use 30, 30 minutes per day, six times per day is the uh, how many times people use it. That is just freaking incredible. And this is a soft launch. This is not trying to draw attention to themselves. <laughs> Come on. That's amazing. All right. Our last story here, uh, and um, you, I, I think we all remember uh, um, Kevin Rose, his company Milk Inc., their first app, Oink. Um, and uh, I, I would classify what we're about to talk about, which is a, a company called, um, or the, an app called Circle Tie, uh, the Middle East and Egyptian version of Oink, uh, and a, a, the Oink app, which is basically an application. Circle Tie allows you to rate and remember and review pretty much everything on the planet, and it's um, and it's focused on the Middle East and and Egypt. Is that an apt way to describe what this is, Circle Tie, Asif? Yeah, I, I would say so, and, and and I think you know where, you know, two things. One is you know I brought this story for this week because you know we don't we don't we don't hear a lot about you know these types of services coming out of you know the Middle East or Egypt or places like that. So, uh, you know, it, it's a new thing. Uh, they've got just in Cairo alone, they've got sixty thousand users apparently. They've got some interesting brands that they're working with, McDonald's and 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 others around this kind of stuff. Um, so, but yeah, it, it is is it is a bit like Oink in, in that context, um, and where you know Oink sort of kind of big flash uh, and and, and uh, equally big flash of failure. Um, you know, I, I think here in North America, um, you know, I, I would say that you know, obviously I'm not over there, but uh, in in the Middle East, but but I would say this probably has a better shot uh, in a market like that than something. Like Oink in North America, where it's so saturated with these types of review services and Yelp and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I, I just have to think that you know something that's niche like this in markets like those, uh, you know, uh, you know, have a better shot of success. And and obviously they've got some numbers to back it up to say that it's working. So. Yeah, and a, a quick uh, understanding of what it is, uh, how it works. And this is a direct article that I got from uh, the Daily News Egypt. It says. Um, there are four main categories, places, retail stores, events, and movies. And once you find a place you want, there are a bunch of options you can use. You can call it, read or write reviews, check in, view a map with directions, look at pictures of the place, or add your own pictures and much more. For movies, you can actually watch the trailer and view which theaters are showing your movie. So this is this is, this is is common. I don't think this is anything unique. But again, it shows you these kind of uh, niche micro markets that you can build these things in. And, it, and the key to anything like this, Asif, as we all know, 
is density, right? You have to, it's the number of people using it and the number of businesses that are on it, the amount of information that can be found on it that is useful. And uh, and so rolling out a global thing like Oink did, rate, rate everything, review everything, the chair you're sitting on, the desk you're using, or the restaurant you're eating, and not even the restaurant, you know, the creme brulee that you're eating, doesn't make any sense. This in a, in a highly localized area, uh, neighborhood, I, I think I think could, could succeed, but, um, and maybe this will work in in the Middle East and Egypt, but uh, very cool that you, it just shows this is this is a global 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 industry as we talk about it. So uh, Circle Tie launched in the Middle East and Egypt. If you used it, you happen to be out there and you're using this, or you we'd appreciate it if you'd go in and downloaded it and, and played around with it and let us know what you think. And you know how to you know how to reach us, Robin on TV or Asif at the LBMA.com. All right, so we got the Now app. We've got Starcom and Place IQ. Tata Docomo uh, launching their Facebook check-ins without any GPS or internet use. Glimpse in your BMW. We've had Fionic uh, Whispering Windows. We've had Whisper.se. We've launched the launch of Circle Tie, and of course, we had our great guest Dave Lieb from Flock and Bump. One last piece here: our resource of the week, the mobile moment, which for me is every moment of every day, but for purchasers for consumers, maybe not so much. This is a uh, report that was done by Chadwick Martin Bailey. Pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it, it's a it, it's a good report uh, in the sense that uh, if you're trying to understand, you know, mobile wallets, uh, you know, the the risks around them, the consumer um, you know, reluctance to uh, to jump on board, you know, really quickly. Uh, they've got a lot of great data in here to kind of put that all in one place and, and, and help, you know, like they've surveyed the public, they understand, you know, what are the issues, what are the value propositions around the wallet. Um, so, so, you know, if this is something as a as a retailer, as a brand, you're thinking about mobile wallets, and, but you want to understand the consumer sentiment around that, there's some good data in here. If you're planning on launching a mobile wallet, um, uh, you know, because we don't have enough apparently, uh, then uh, you know you can get a good a good snapshot of the industry uh, from this in terms of understanding you know what a mobile wallet has to you know offer and contain to, in order to attract consumers. So uh, they they've done a good job of putting all that data in one place. So uh, take a look at it. It's available on uh, uh, www.thelbma.com/forward/slash/research. Yeah, the thing that struck me, the only thing that struck me about this is that, uh, I mean, we all know the reasons, security, identity theft, all those kind of things. What, was, what wasn't what was up there was battery consumption. Like, there was. There was a concern of battery consumption. Like, it's going to use up my battery. It's not like what happens when my battery is completely out and I, and I, mm. and I can't access my wallet, right, uh, which, is, which is a big challenge. But there's a slide in there where they talked about, the slide number eight, where they talked about, um, you know, how... Um, how other cons uh, you know some of the concerns or some of the things that people would want in a, in a mobile wallet um and it's called this information gathering features like showrooming are the most attractive location-based services for mobile wallet users who don't currently plan to adopt and this just this i, I don't get this at all i'm pulling the screen up here is that um, you know, a mobile wallet has to be clearly defined, and I think until we do that, we're going to be running around in circles because this is not what a mobile wallet is. It's, you know, they say that these these are the features that would entice people to use mobile wallets, and it's to check if uh, products you seek are available in specific stores nearby. Uh, that has nothing to do with the concept of a mobile wallet. Uh, compare prices with online and nearby merchants and receive offers and get recommendations and get discounts you know those are the things that are that uh, apparently will drive people to mobile wallets and and that's not a mobile wallet uh, so uh, i think that we need a clear definition of what a mobile wallet is going to be it's so ubiquitous and broad overused term right now but certainly the other 
it, it's certainly it's certainly a wide definition yeah. of a mobile that they're going with here, right? Um, you, you know, this is almost like um, you, you know m my whole conversation around eBay and PayPal, right? It, it's you know you could argue you know PayPal's got a mobile wallet offering now, um, you know, in the definition that you and I understand mobile yep. wallet, but if you start to combine the rest of PayPal's offerings, you know, real-time inventory data, you know, and, and all that other stuff, then, and you and you wrap that inside of the of of their mobile wallet offering, then okay, then this is what they're talking about here in, in this Consumer Pulse uh, report. It it is um, yes, and you know what's fascinating about this, Asif, <clears throat> is this one slide that actually says that. Um, um, I'll pull this up right now. Is that uh, many have an initial preference for credit card companies and banks? I mean, this is you know where, where we want the mobile wallet to emanate. Uh, but uh, look at this. There's uh, carriers, which we've talked about quite often around Rogers being becoming a bank here in Canada. And the only one that's named, aside from like the carriers listed in a list, as you can see there, is PayPal. Right. So it's credit card companies, banks, mobile service providers. PayPal, then it's into technology giants, third-party discount companies like Level Up or Groupon and other. The only named company in there, PayPal. That's uh, that's that, yep. that's the clout that those guys have. So you're you're absolutely right. PayPal was what your your 2011 company to watch, 2012 company to watch. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's very cool. So uh, if you want this whole report, it's worthwhile to go and take a take a, a quick glimpse through it. It's at thelbma.com forward slash research. There you go. On my desk, I have nothing left to talk about. If it's it's unbelievable, I am speechless right now. That uh, that's episode number one hundred and twenty-four of this week in location-based marketing. Uh, Asif, um, you will be in Toronto this coming Tuesday. So if you are in Toronto, please uh, go to the lvma.com forward slash events to register for that. Or uh, if you are going to be in Seattle for the launch of the chapter in uh, the Seattle chapter of uh, the uh, Location-Based Marketing Association, register at uh, the same location, lvma.com forward slash or the lvma.com forward slash events. Anything else to add there, man? No, I think that's it. Uh, you know, we're uh, you know, if you've got any other stories out there, um, and you're listening, and you want to share, uh, you want to, you want us to talk about it, let us know. Uh, got a great one in for, uh, for coming up in shortly uh, from a guy that's uh, been in touch with over the years. Um, uh, just give him a quick shout out. I know he's he's a big fan. Uh, Ozan Can uh, Kosali, uh, he's in Turkey, uh, and he's got an interesting new uh, project that'll be uh, launching in about a month, uh, a month or so in the Turkish market. So we'll be talking about that uh, shortly as well. It's kind of like a, a shop kick for Turkey. Very cool. Uh, so yeah, get ready for that one. Um, so yeah, hey, we're we're open to uh, to you know anything cool and interesting that's coming out there. Rob and I want to know. Send us an email. Send us a Twitter message. Send us something. We will follow up with you. And of course, Currency for Us is a great review in iTunes or wherever you are finding this fine podcast. So please go in there. Do us a big, big, big favor. If you like what you've listened to, the other 124 episodes, including this one, um, even if you've liked half of them, man, that still warrants a review. If you're listening to this consistently, please just go in there and give us a five-star review. If you're not going to do that or a four-star review, if you're, gonna, if you're not going to do that, reach out and we will change this podcast in order to be able to make sure that we get a five-star review from you. It means the world to us if you do that. That's how we get paid. Just good karma. All right. But until then, I got nothing. So please give us a rating, and we will be back for episode number 125 uh, next week. I can't believe it. 125. Man. Getting old. It is. We're almost as old as Canada. How's that? 
We'll see you next week. Asif, uh, have a great week and a uh, good uh, event on Tuesday, and we will talk next weekend. All right. See you later, Cheers. everybody.